This week on Maroon and Bold, we talk about Central Michigan men's and women's basketball, as well as some news with the football team. All that and more coming up next on Maroon and Bold. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. I'm your host, Austin Chastain, also your sports editor for Central Michigan Life. And sitting across from me is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Andy Loveland. Andy, how's it going, man? Good. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but I'm sure going to try. Good, man. Class is treating you pretty well so far? So far, so good. Yeah, Halfway point. Ready for spring break, though. Get to spend it in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to that. We'll, 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 touch, on, we'll touch on that with the Mid-American Conference Tournament coming up shortly. But at first, big news dropping technically today, but it's officially going to be announced tomorrow. The CMU football team is going to face Western Michigan for the Victory Cannon at Ford Field in Detroit in October. Andy, let's start let's start with some initial reactions. What were some of your thoughts when you heard the Chippewas and Broncos are going to square off in Detroit? I was shocked it was Western when I first saw the initial, you know, kind of tweets coming out that Central and Ford Field were going to announce a game. You look down the schedule, you're thinking Eastern's right there. Maybe that's too much of a home game. Maybe a team like Ball State, you know, I don't know, like, you know, a team that, you know, we played Ball State on the road last year, so maybe you bring them in to Detroit. It's not shocking that after the season they had last year that everyone wants a piece of that, and to do it at Ford Field, which is the only professional football stadium, you know, in the in the state, obviously. It's not a surprise that that's what the plan is. Western is what's the surprise here. Right. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I I saw a tweet from our managing editor and former sports editor Evan Petzl that they had that CMU, like you said, Andy had announced uh, with Ford Field that there was going to be some special press conference um, on Wednesday. Um, and at first, I was like, "Oh, okay." So it, obviously, that means it's going to be a regular season game at Ford Field. The Chippewas just played there for the for the MAC championship game. It makes sense. The, the, the move makes sense to play a game there. Tons of alumni over there. So it, in theory, it, it works. But I'm right there with you. I thought it was going to be the Eastern game because... And, and I, I think part of it is is the fact that, that, that Eastern is so close. I yeah. think that, that would have honestly made a little bit more sense to me. Maybe for... Eastern, but if you're Central Michigan and you're giving up a home game, like why give it to a school that much closer than you are? Well, it, it was going to be an Eastern home game because Eastern played here in Mount Pleasant this year, right? Right. So then, but at this point, what we've heard and what I think it was Tony Paul had tweeted out and has con- like kind of confirmed with his sources is that we're supposed to get all of the ticket revenue and sales and all that stuff from it. So it's right. a it's a technically a central home game, right? I mean, yeah. So CMU is gonna is it how how Tony put it is going to get the gate, meaning like you said, Andy, is that CMU is going to rake in all the revenue. Um, you know, obviously Western will have its its cost covered as a typical road. It's just a typical road game right. for for Western, except it's going to be at a different stadium than what the series has played out in. And another another little nugget of information from from Tony Paul too. This is the first time that this rivalry will be played outside of Kalamazoo and Mount Pleasant, 
and it's a rivalry that dates back to 1907. Western has a big series lead. Um, they've won, I believe, seven of the last nine, including the last two. So Western's definitely had the edge in the rivalry. So I don't know. I'll ask you this. Do you think this is a move for Central Michigan to say, let's let's take the dance somewhere else, take it out of Kelly Short Stadium, as as a as a ploy to try to to try to change the rivalry a little bit, try to try to get a win when they haven't won here in Mount Pleasant in a decade. No, I think I think the pull is more if you're attracting alumni, if you're attracting you know, students who are actually going to travel to the game. I think Western, even when they're away, is a game where you get and you hear from students who actually will travel to Kalamazoo, whereas, you know, you go to Muncie and there's a couple of alumni. There's not a whole ton of students. So I think they picked an opponent who they thought people are going to travel, whether it's alumni, it's students, parents, whoever, future students even, whoever it may be, that's a name that rings true. I don't necessarily know if it's going to switch up the rivalry. I think you know, you'd be more apt to play at home again, especially because under McElwain, Central Michigan's been an incredible home team. You know, the whole protect, you know, your home field. You defend know, the crib. Yeah, defend the house, you know, all that stuff. So it it, it just strikes me as odd that you would choose Western. I think, I think part of it is you're getting that gate, so you want people to be there. That's what Western's going to get is people are going to travel because Western has a lot of alums too in that part, and – you still get the money from that, whether they they want to admit it or not. Right, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, see, like we've said, like we'll kind of repeat ourselves here, but CMU is going to get the money from it, whether the fans are wearing maroon and gold or brown and gold. It doesn't matter what color shirts they're wearing. You know, CMU is going to take the money from it. I'm just... I'm just kind of thinking about other big rivalries in college football. Yeah, Oklahoma, that's, Texas. That's where I was going to take it next. Oklahoma, Texas plays in the Cotton Bowl. They, I don't think, I, I can't, I don't know the last time that they played in in either Norman or Austin. I, I, I like saying that. And then another one that comes to mind for me is is Florida, Georgia. Um, that's a rivalry I'm fairly familiar, very familiar with. That one's played in Jacksonville. That one's played been played in Jacksonville for as long as I can remember. I think that one dates back to the 80s, maybe even the 70s when they played back there. That's so those are those are two big rivalries. Now, with Florida and Georgia, it's it's I don't know if it's quite the same as in terms of optics, I guess if you will. The two teams don't like each other and that's that's without a doubt. And that's that's kind of the same point, you know, you can make with CMU and Western. Yeah. Is those two two teams don't like each other. Right. Um I I, I I just don't know. And from what I'm, what I'm seeing from what Tony Paul's been saying on Twitter, is that this, 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 you know, moving to Detroit is pretty much a one-off thing. Like Western doesn't, Western doesn't want to to move the rivalry away from Waldo Stadium when it's supposed to be there. I think they're okay with it not being at Kelly Shorts. But when it's at Waldo, they want it there. Yeah, I, and I think um, I, it's Central's the one making the announcement. It's not a Central and Western thing. So I think that's why you know it's a one-off thing for that particular rivalry. I think if this works, you might see a Central 
home game at Ford Field every season. And see, that's I don't disagree with you. I think the biggest thing for that, though, is if you're Jim McElwain or the next head coach or you know Michael Alford, the AD, or a player, you're looking for ways to get recognition to this program to get kids to want to come here. And the opportunity at least once a year to play at Ford Field, it's probably going to be a nationally televised game. You know, or at least a game that people can find on ESPN three or something like that. Which all ga- all CMU games are on like ESPN plus or ESPN three. But I think it'll be, you know, more broadly, you know, recognized and played out. And I think that allures to recruit it. And we'll see if they if it works. I think we'll see it more often with varying opponents. Right and. Again, I don't disagree with you. I think it was back in 05, 2005, when Central played Eastern at Ford Field. And I think Central came away with the win, if I'm not mistaken. A big overtime win. And, I I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it's... I don't think... Like I said, I don't dis- completely disagree with you in the fact that there could be a game in Detroit every year. I think it's... A, it's, it would be good because I mean, covering the MAC championship last year, um, it was funny. There would be a big play in the game, one of the, you know, a couple of the few big plays in the game, and you know, my, <laughs> I have to admit, my my mom was watching the game and she would shoot me a text. What the heck just happened? I don't know. I'm watching the game and I don't, I you know, I'm there covering the game. I don't, I don't know what, you know, what what had just happened and yeah. But it was it was just cool to kind of have that that um. That back and forth with people watching the game on TV, um, and being able to kind of give them some insight as to as to what I'm seeing and as to what we're we're hearing uh, you know, while, while we're up there covering the game. But from that standpoint, I think it was really cool. Um, it was, it's it's a lot of fun. I think it will be a lot of fun for the alumni. Cause like we like we said that there there's a ton of alumni from both schools. In Detroit. Yeah, and all over the state. You know, you look at Ann Arbor, you know, the Lansing area where, you know, that drive to Detroit is, A, a little bit easier for some people, and B, it's just, I mean, maybe it's a nicer drive. You know, you're still in the city. You can make it, like you said, you can make an entire weekend out of it. You could do a CMU game Friday or Saturday and a Wings game or something like that. And I think if you're looking at this too from a realistic standpoint where, you know, you're saying, "Oh, we're taking a game away from Kelly Shorts." And have you been to Kelly Shorts lately? Like you're looking out there and, you know, some of those games it was a scheduling thing where you're the day after Thanksgiving, you're like, "Obviously students aren't going to be there, but it's it's not like Kelly Shorts is packed every single weekend." So if you can take a game to Ford Field and get it packed, I think that that makes sense to me. What still just doesn't quite add up to me is why Western. That's a game you're going to fill, you know, Kelly Shorts or get close to it. That's going to be probably would have been next season the most packed that Kelly Shorts is going to be all year. And now that won't be the case. I don't, again, I don't, so I don't, again, I, I don't disagree with you in that fact, but the Akron game was pretty full. Now I know they had they had band aid there, so that's why the optics made it look like it was completely jam packed. But I mean the student section, I think there were two so if you're if you're looking at the student section, you know, I guess from the press box or from the uh 
the west side of the stadium. There were two sections off to the off to the left that weren't full, but everything else from the band to the end of the student section, I mean, it was full. But the, you know, and that's I think that's a different debate. Um, you know, you know, students leaving at halftime. You know, some students just don't care. There are quite a few students that do care about the game. That will stay for the entire for the whole sixty minutes, uh, unless it's a complete blowout. Then then they'll leave. But you know, that I think is a different discussion for a different time. I think, but I just think like yeah, we can go into a debate as how many people are at Kelly Shorts every weekend and what that is. But I think when you're looking at it, that's a factor of you don't give up a home game if it's absolutely packed every week. Whereas here's an opportunity to get more alumni at a at a game. Aside from you know you you, you see a lot of alumni every year like homecoming weekend because there's just a whole ton of alumni events, and this will be right around that time. I was gonna say I was just gonna say it, that given how uh, obviously that could change. I mean some schools have homecoming you know the third third game of the year or the eleventh game. It, yeah. d- it kind of depends, but. Generally, they like to be right in that mid-October range. Which, by the way, happy birthday to me! Uh, if the the date of the game is as confirmed uh, tomorrow or on on Wednesday, as as um, we had been hearing on Twitter, it's only two days after my birthday. So, happy birthday to me! Um, so, I'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, for CM, for the CMU crowd, and obviously too for the Western crowd and whatnot. But I. Kind of, and, and just in kind of some final thoughts here, I, I think it's going to be a good idea in the long run. Um, you know, some local businesses, businesses I think will suffer, of course, because Western is, you have a lot of students from Western coming up. And I mean, it's, a, I mean, it's, it's a big party weekend. There, yeah, there's no the doubt bu- about it. I'm it's not, one of the busiest but, weekends of the football calendar. Right. All around, you know, you just because you get a ton of people. Like I said, students on both sides love traveling to the, to the you know stadiums and stuff that weekend because most of us have friends or family that go to the other school. Right. So it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, like handful of us can go to Western and you know see three of our high school buddies because that's where they're at, and it's vice versa. So you know that's that's one of those things where you lose some of that, and we. Still, the announcement, once it's made tomorrow, we'll obviously know. You know, once it's made Wednesday, we'll know more about it and exactly how how it's going to affect that stuff and what those local sponsors will say about it, right. if they if they say anything. Right. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as to what some of the thoughts, some of their thoughts are. Um, it'll be, I mean, obviously, that's a whole weekend lost, but I don't know if, you know, they might be able to take their shops down to Detroit, like, you know, have a remote kind of shop in Detroit, like, you know, merchandising sales, that kind of thing. I don't, I have no idea what any of that's going to look like and no one does and no one will until, until they get there. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff, we'll find out dates and times tomorrow, but we won't find out all of the details of how all this is going to work because to CMU's credit, they've already announced or supposedly announced that a shuttle will, come through or you know take students to the game so that's something that different various people have tweeted out and said that they've had confirmed by them right and i'm i'm very curious to know if that's going to be free for students i'm curious to know if tickets are going to be free for students as they would be if it were were in kelly shorts 
or if right. students are going to have because if students have to pay for it, I can almost guarantee you they will say no, thank you, and I'll save my money and hang back and watch the game on TV. You know, yeah, I I would honestly, well, if if I were a traveling fan, I would po- possibly say I'll go. Because I mean, it's it's Central Western; it's a big rivalry. I'm a little bit of of a crazy guy for football. So that's that's a different that's that's a different topic, but you know if if, if students are going to have to pay for it, I don't think they're going to go. And I don't I don't I you know and I don't blame them because you have you had a free game with your student ID and in in Kelly Shorts at home, and now you're going to have to pay for it to go two and a half hours down to Detroit. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's. Or if it, you'll see a lot fewer students, at least. Right. Exactly. But, I mean, we'll know more. And maybe next week, you know, the on Maroon Bowl, they can get hit on even more, depending on what details come out. But right. for right now, we, we'll see how it actually impacts some of this stuff and what, what comes next. But, I mean, kind of switching gears here, looking at the men's basketball team, they won against Bowling Green, and then I think – a lot of people, especially people that I talked to, were kind of like, Has, is this a corner? Since then they've lost, was it five? Five in five a row straight. now? It, it's definitely a corner. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a corner it's down, down the wrong road, down the wrong way street, but it's definitely a corner. You know, CMU's just struggled. I mean, kind of looking back through some of their games, after the Bowling Green game, which – was one of I'm not going to say it was their best game of the year but I mean Bowling Green came in on an eight game winning streak and you know a lot of people were like oh man you know CMU doesn't stand a chance doesn't stand a chance in hell in this game and they went out and won by double digits so I think I think people were right to say oh yeah this is the corner this is going to be you know this stretch to close out the the year it's should be easy, right? Question mark. And the question mark was left blank pretty much. I mean, they went on the road, fell behind in a deep hole to Buffalo, came back, led that game for a hot second, and ultimately fell by five. Played a game that, that next game against Eastern Michigan at home, which, if you ask me, the, the way that the way the Chippewas played in that game, they had no business losing that game. Well, the the way they played, I don't. I don't think they played well enough to win that game. Eastern played a really, really strong game. Right. But CMU also didn't play as great of a game as it had played in you know previous weeks. I mean, that second half against Buffalo it was fantastic. They played great. And then came out just flat against Eastern. Good, could not get through that 2-3 zone well at all. Struggled shooting. And Eastern was able to, to hit a couple of threes, throw down a couple of dunks, and went out and, and took care of business, and they won that game by three. Um, then losses to Akron, Ohio, and a one-point loss on Saturday to Northern Illinois to make it five straight losses for the Chippewas. They've been, I mean, obviously, they've, they've been struggling, but they've been, they've, the thing is, they've been in most of these games. They've had a fighting chance, and I mean, the Northern Illinois one obviously ended in overtime. Like you mentioned, the Eastern one was close. If you're going through the schedule, you're looking at a couple of five and eight point losses that 
you know, felt closer than that or, you know, didn't depending on your feelings about the Buffalo game. But Oh, they could have won that game easily. Yeah. But they, I think, made a couple of, they made a couple of, too many mistakes early and a couple of small mistakes toward the end of the game. But because of the because of the big mistakes in the beginning of the game, the small mistakes at the end of the game really cost them. Because I mean, like I said, they they led that game late, right? And had a, every, like you said, every fighting chance to win. But and I think when you're looking at the Buffalo game like that, it's a game where Buffalo's historically pretty good in the MAC. They're a decent team this year. They're, I think they're nine and five in conference right now. So you lose to Buffalo, and you're kind of thinking like, okay, we lost in the fashion we did, but we hung tough with a team that is two, pretty darn good. Two-time defending conference champion, by yeah. the way. And so I think where you get more worried is that Eastern loss. Um, Agreed. And yeah. then moving forward from there is where the wheels start to fall off, and you're kind of like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going great anymore. Right, yeah. Well, Eastern Michigan came in with a very poor conference record. But at the same time, I mean, you can always throw out conference records when you're playing in the conference, especially in this one, in the Mid-American Conference, because it, it's so it's so competitive. And Keno Davis says it all the time. You know, the top team in the conference could lose his number 12 team in the conference just like that. It, it, right. it's, it's not It's not a guarantee that if, you know, you're 10-1 and one, that you're going you're gonna to beat the 1-10 team. Yeah, are your you, chances a lot likelier? Of course. Right. Yeah, you're more confident. You're you're, you're playing usually better basketball at that point. But right. But it's any given day, especially when you count in, you know, various in-state rivalries and things like that, you, it just gets mixed up. And that's something that it's it's a Keno Davis thing. It's Heather Osterley says that it's every coach in the MAC for as long as as the MAC's been around has been saying that. And so it's it's what makes it tough though when you start losing five or six games in a row. There's no guarantee you can just get back on the winning track like that, right. especially this late in the season. We're moving in towards conference, you know, tournament time, and CMU went from the discussion of being, can we get to Cleveland right away, to now we're right now sitting somewhere around a seven seed. Are they even going to host a campus game? Right now. I know I don't think at this point they need to be worried about getting the first round by. They need to get the campus home game because if you if you look if if so for fans that don't quite know how it works or, or maybe new to the to the Mac teams one through four have a first round by and automatically move to the quarterfinal, which is played in Cleveland, same place the Cavaliers play at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Teams five. Then so teams five through eight host a first round game at their campus. Last year, CMU was the five seed and hosted Western Michigan, who I believe, which I believe was the twelve seed, in the first round in McGurk Arena and took care of business. CMU won, moved on to Cleveland, and then obviously nine through twelve travel for the campus game. You know, uh, nine plays number eight. 10 plays 7, 11 plays 6, and 12 plays 5. And so so with 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 that in mind, I believe we before we went on the air, CMU is in 7th overall. And yep, this is by yep. overall conference standing as well. It's not right. West Division, East Division. That's mm-hmm. a separate thing. But in terms of overall conference, CMU is 7th. So right now, they'll, they'll host 
Chippewas will host a conference game, but if they continue to lose, there's not a chance that they're going to host a game, and they they need to host a game because they honestly play a lot better at home than they do on the road. Yeah, they'll be in big danger, especially, I mean, it's tough to win in this conference. It's especially tough to win on the road in this conference, and you're looking at some of these senior guys who have been here for four years, and you don't want your last game potentially to be – you know, on the floor at Eastern or, you know, in Kalamazoo. Like, if you have the opportunity to have it in Mount Pleasant, that's, I think that's where you'd rather be because those guys are going to be amped. You know, they're going to be amped to get to Cleveland for that, for that final shot at a MAC championship. Right. Well, and realistically speaking, I, do you think the way, you know, Losing streaks happen in basketball. It, it's not like it's out of the out of the realm of possibility. And like you were saying, with how competitive the conference is, but do you do you think at this moment, CMU has a legitimate shot to to win the, the win the whole thing? Um, right now, the way they're playing, no. Uh, if they turn the corner back the other way and start playing how they did, you know, we'll say in that four game or so stretch against Ball, like started with Ball State and then ended with a loss at Buffalo. Yes. I mean, the thing about basketball is you got five games left in the regular season. You win a couple of those games, you know, you win senior day against Western and, you know, maybe Ball State. You go into the tournament with a, a couple game winning streak, you host it. If you guys get hot, you really have to you only have to win like a handful of games in a row and then you're, you know, you're in the championship with a chance to win and at that point it's whoever plays the best that day. The problem with that is if you're doing what they're doing now, it's going to be over quickly. Right. Well, and that's the beauty that's the beautiful thing about about March basketball is Yeah. is it's it's you just have to play your best basketball one day and you're on to the next round. Right. And we've seen it from all levels of college basketball, you know, not just Mac, but if a team gets hot at the right time, they can they can run through a conference tournament. They can run through, you know, even the NCAA tournament. I think of guys like, you know, Kemba Walker a while back with UConn where they got hot at the right time and they weren't projected to win and then they win the whole darn thing. So I'm not saying it wouldn't happen. It can't happen for them, but right now I don't think it's likely. They don't look like a team getting ready to, you know, pounce on their opportunity. They look more like the team falling back and getting, you know, more taken advantage of on that. Right. I I don't disagree with you. I mean, everything you're saying, you know, it fits kind of what with what I've been thinking the last couple of weeks as the team's been struggling. Here's the thing, like we've been saying, you know, when the Chippewas are playing well, they're they're a really tough team to beat. I mean, the, their offense is has been one of the best in the conference. You know, when when they were like, not on their winning streak, but when the when they weren't on a losing streak, their offense was one of the best in the MAC. Yeah, when they're hitting threes, it's hard to beat them. Exactly. Well, it's hard to beat any team, but I mean, they have several guys that can hit threes. You know, with David DeLeo, Dallas Morgan, Sean Winston a little bit, Trayvon Broadway a little bit again. 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just been interesting to kind of see how the team has progressed, and almost I don't want to say regressed because they've been comp- they've been competitive in all five of those losses. Just little things here and there have prevented them from from taking the W. So yeah, we'll see we'll see what they can do how how they can improve on this and how they can just stop this slide. That, that's the biggest problem is you can't lose 10 straight to end the season. You you can't even lose 7 out of 10. Like They need to stop this now and honestly almost win the next five games to get into shape for for March Madness. Right. Well, and, and two, I mean, like you said, they have five games left. Keep in mind, Chippewas play three games this week, so Tuesday night, Against Toledo at home, which that's a, that's that's a huge game because Toledo right now is a ninth seed, using seventh in terms of overall conference standings. So a loss to the Rockets could all but crush CMU's hope at at uh, at a first round at a first round by and potentially even a campus home game, right. And then they play on Thursday in Oxford, Ohio, for the rescheduled game against the Red Hawks. Um, keep in mind that game was supposed to be played in January, but was was postponed to Thursday because of the because reportedly two students at Miami's campus um, had symptoms of coronavirus. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah. No were tested and and we actually don't know the resolution. We don't know if if they were te- they had tested positive for that or or what was going on there. But everyone here in Mount Pleasant is supposedly healthy and a- away from that that virus. So so that's that's a positive. And then Saturday on the road at Eastern Michigan, you don't you don't really like to use the word revenge in. In, in basketball, but I think CMU is going to come out in that game a little bit ticked off about losing at home, and I think they'll they'll find a way to kind of get through that zone a little bit better, kind of like how they did last year in the EMU yeah. Convocation Center. At first they struggled, and then they were able to, to get through it. Kevin McKay had a big game. Larry Austin Jr. had a big game, and that's what propelled the chip was to the win. And then games at Ball State, and home against Western to cap off the regular season, and that Ball State game's big, um, as CMU is just behind behind the Cardinals in the in the West standings, and that is kind of another another instance of kind of jockeying for position uh, in terms of conference seating, and then obviously Western playing Western at home, you you, you always want to beat Western, as we were talking about with football earlier, but you you always want to beat Western. Chippewas did that, took care of business in Reed Fieldhouse a couple of weeks ago, and we'll look to win, I believe it's six straight. We'll look to win their sixth straight game over Western Michigan, dating back to 2017, and we'll obviously talk about that one as it gets closer, but uh, big week, big week for Chippewa basketball. So, on, the other, on the other side, yeah. on the other side too, I'm I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. The, the women have been playing fantastic basketball, and it doesn't look like they're going to. Doesn't look like they are showing signs of slowing down. Chippewas undefeated, what fourteen and zero now, twenty one and four overall, clinched a share of the Mid American Conference regular season 
and West Division titles, fourth straight regular season, overall regular season championship, and fifth straight West Division title. Or do I have that backwards? Um, yeah, no, so it's fifth straight West Division, fourth straight regular season. Right. Did it with a big win at Northern Illinois. Yes. A game where Northern Illinois is kind of hung around, didn't really seem you didn't really pull away. I mean, no, it was. CMU never trailed in that game. No. And was, but was never really able to put NIU away until later in the game. But kind of looking at, you know, the, the, the tail end of the season and what CMU has on tap, I mean, Andy, do you think, do you think it could be something that, I mean, there's only four games left. You got four you, games left. Do you think CMU can pull it off the the perfect conference season? I do. I think they've got a chance. I think what the <laughs> I think what the struggle is here is you're in a point in the season now where you've played every team. Every team left on the schedule is a team that's played you before. They can scout you. They've seen Twin at her peak. They've seen Kira Bustle. They've seen freshman Molly Davis. You know they. They know what you're going to do. They know what, you know, Maddie Waters can give. They know what a Gabby Bird's going to do. You know, they um it's it's one of those things where they know what you've done. So it's it's tough to get the victory. Um I think that's why you saw Northern Illinois able to play him close again, but you get 25 points from Kier Bustle, 11 rebounds, her fourth double-double of the season and suddenly you know you get the victory. I think the fact that They've won before, and they've you know they've won the conference you know for five straight years now. Won the regular season title for four straight years. They know how to win. They'll continue to just go one game at a time. It's how they've gotten here. But you've seen over the last couple of weeks where it's close games constantly. Even a Kent State game where they won thirteen by thirteen points, it felt highly contested. It was a back and forth, fierce type of game the entire time. It even when they were up by double digits, it never one hundred percent felt like. This is in the bag. This team's crushed it. Right, absolutely. And it's kind of it's kind of been I don't know. It's it's been I I don't I don't even know how to describe it, but like you said, you know, CMU's never they've never been out of control in terms of, oh yeah, we got this. We're going to win this game. Yeah. I mean, there might have been a couple that were I mean, there's a couple a little of, close. I mean, the, yeah. the Western game, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, the, the Buffalo game, the Ohio game, going, playing three overtimes in two games. Yeah. So, but CMU's never been like, oh my gosh, we're we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose by double digits because of how we're playing, that kind of thing. I think Heather Osterley kind of had this team in a, in a spot that says we're confident. And like I said in the kind of bringing this segment in, they don't have they they're not showing any signs of slowing down. No, and I think if anything, you look at it and you're looking at a game where okay, Bustle has 25 points against Northern Illinois, but then you look at a couple games before that, and the bench had eight points total over a couple of games. So your starters won it. But then you go just a handful of games before that, and you've got bench players like Sophia Karasinski and Gabby Bird, you know, putting in double-digit efforts. 
and you've seen games where Twin has 30-plus points. You've seen Mali have 28 points back-to-back games to secure victories. You know, Bustle had a 33 in that Ohio game, you know, set a new career high. And so you're looking at that, and you're they're getting wins in a variety of ways, but I haven't seen a single game where not only have the players not all clicked together, but we're just you look for four quarters and they're playing their type of basketball. And I this is something, a conversation Heather and I have all the time where she doesn't see it either. The team hasn't seen it. They're still waiting for a moment. And kind of this is the plan. They don't want that moment to happen Wednesday night versus Western. They want it in the MAC tournament and beyond that. You know, right now they're, you know, you might look at the team and say, okay, well, what do they have left? Why are, you know, what keeps them from, you know, letting off the gas and kind of falling asleep? There's projections all over the place that they could make the tournament again as not large, similar to what they did last year. But if you go 18 and 0 in the MAC, it's going to be even easier for them to get an at large. You won't even have to make it as far as you did last year. Right. Well, 21 and 4, 14 and 0 in the conference. Uh, Incredibly close loss to Green Bay to open the season. A tough Louisville loss, uh, and and they played well in that game they up were, until the last ha- half half of the fourth quarter. Exactly, they they weren't out of it until and, and I don't know if they were ever actually out of it, but yeah, they. I think Louisville. I mean, they were ranked number ninth at that point. So yeah, but you also look at the way that what was that Molly Davis second or third game second. of her career. Yeah, you know, and she she's playing differently now. Twin was not, you know, adjusted to her new role. I don't think, you know, at the beginning of the season, especially those first handful of games, you see her getting big scoring numbers, but missing some passes. And I think as the season goes on, and she'll be the first one to tell you, like, yeah, as the season goes on, I'm looking for some different passes. Not passing up my shot. Like, she's the leading scorer on the team. She's the team's best player. If she's got a shot, she's going to take it, She as she should. But making different plays to make sure, like, okay, I can draw a handful of people in the lane and then kick it, and Davis or Waters suddenly is open for three. Those are two knockdown shooters. You know, Cure Bustle's hitting the three now. So they're fighting for a lot. They're fighting for an at-large bid. You know, they have a close UCF loss, and UCF is a team that's, you know, in the tournament. And let's not forget that a lot of these players were on the team when they went to the Sweet 16. Right. I mean, Twin Kelly had a one heck of a game against Ohio State. I think twenty four points to get to the Sweet Sixteen. You know, you you lose to an Oregon team who has probably the country's best player. Had the you know her in freshman form back then, but also is projected to have potentially three top ten WNBA draft picks, who were all, you know, either there or came a year after. So. This is a team with a lot of talent, but also a team that has a lot of experience. And I think the experience is where you come in and you say what makes you say, like, this team can win the next four games. If this was a bunch of freshmen, you know, maybe you say, okay, as they're getting the wins, maybe they they lose a couple just because, you know, we've got the season wrapped up, we know what it takes, but you've got a lot of junior leadership and senior leadership in the form of Gabby Bird and McKenna Kelly who know, nope, if you want to win conference championships, you have to show up in the gym Wednesday and Saturday for the entire season. Right. And and that's kind of a scary prospect for the rest of the, the Mid American Conference. Yeah. Michaela Kelly's a junior. Maddie Waters is a junior. Kira Bustle. Kira Bustle. You've got Kirsinski coming back from ACL injuries and she so she's a redshirt sophomore. Davis Molly, is a Molly Davis is a true freshman. Uh, and <laughs> I've seen tape of a couple of the girls that they're bringing in and 
it's you know you've got a couple thousand point high school scorers coming in who play forward, right? You know, and can shoot the three. And you know, you'll talk to Heather, and she's you know excited about them. And you've still got Shine Strickland Gills on the sideline, and Kate McCarthy. You've you've got a loaded team where you're losing two seniors. Right, two two vital seniors, you know, right. two two big players in the rotation. So their rotation spots will have to get filled. But I mean, they'll get. But and I I don't want to say they're going to get filled easily because Gabby Bird and and McKenna Kelly both do do things differently and and are like you said, are vital vital players yeah, coming but, off the bench. But but I th- I think look Heather at who Oshley's, they lost at the beginning of this season. Yeah, they lost your all time scorer, your all time rebounder. And I, I think you can't say you know oh you wouldn't love to have Raina Frost right now. Oh yeah, you, I mean you would, you would love to have Raina Frost and Presley them, Hudson, and that's how you that's how you build this program. That's how you've won so many conference championships. Is you have players ready to step up constantly as your senior leaders go, and you're looking and you've got you know yeah you've got players that will be in their second or third year you know finally getting regular minutes but that's what it's for. Gabby Bird wasn't getting regular minutes until this year. She was oh. averaging fewer than 2 points a game. Right. You know, now she's she's approaching double digits and it's been, you know, staggering all year where you know she scored in you know 20 something points but she's, you know, done deep things defensively. So they haven't clicked yet. I think they're planning on clicking <laughs> that first that first day in Cleveland. I don't know who's who's drawing that lucky stick to show up in Cleveland and you get Central Michigan, but I I wouldn't want it to be the co- team I coached. Well, okay, let's just think about what you just said. This team hasn't clicked yet. They're fourteen and zero, four games to go in the regular season, have conference championships locked up in the regular season. That's frightening. If I'm another, like you said, if yeah. I'm another coach in the MAC, I am scared. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I think gives you hope is, you know, yeah, they haven't clicked yet, and that's scary. But they also haven't clicked yet. They haven't put together right. four quarters. So you you kind of want to see that. I think if you're a coach, either uh, maybe you know if you're Coach Heather or if you're coaching Buffalo, I think you want to see them one time in the regular season put four quarters together before you you know, get too scared, but I think we'll start to see that. I think, you know, we'll start to see some of the the loose ends tied up here in the next couple of games. And you've got you've got Western is gonna be a big game Wednesday. You've got Ball State who is second in the division right now. They'll be pay- they'll be playing for seeding, so that's gonna be a big game. And then, you know, you got the Toledo game, which it kind of put it, it'll be the swing game where it's like you could have things very, very wrapped up by that point. That's a game. Maybe that's a trap. And then you've got Easter and his senior night. So it, we could be – senior night could be the opportunity for this team to close out 18-0. Yeah. I mean, against Western or against Eastern Michigan. Yeah, and, and looking at the last four games, like you said, at Western – or home against Western on Wednesday at Ball State, at Toledo, and then March 7th at home against Eastern – I mean, those are those are all games that CMU obviously has won before. Yeah, they've beaten before. But I and I think those are games that CMU could easily win. They could win. I mean, they beat Eastern by seven. They beat Western by ten. Both they, on the road. Both on the road. They dominated Ball State in Mount Pleasant. 
It was 66 to 39. I was going to say they had one of the and maybe it wasn't one of the top offensive performances, but it was one of by far one of their best defensive performances. Yeah, I I mean they haven't allowed fewer points than that. And coming in, I believe coming into that game, the talk was Ball State was one of the best defenses in the MAC at that point. And leaving that, you're going, well, they're still one of the best defenses. They held Central Michigan to 66. Yeah, but their but, offense stunk that game. Yeah, and and I remember that game. The Brown is a big player for Ball State, and she had 10 points, and you could almost not feel her presence at all. So I think maybe against Ball State at Ball State, you know, she'll look to get, you know, kind of that buzzword we used earlier, that revenge game against them, especially because they'll be fighting big time for second or third seed at that point. Right. Absolutely. So it's just kind of, yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be it'll be cool to see, you know, how how they navigate these last four games. Yeah. Two of them are in-state rivalries, including the big one on Wednesday with with the arch rival coming into town. I mean, I I don't disagree. I think I think CMU could pull it off and and finish the the conference season at at eighteen and all. But you just you just never know. Um, you never know. And these games have all been close. They've had multiple overtime games. It right. It's a toss up every week whether or not what team is going to come out top. But I'll tell you what, having twin who was it. Four straight weeks was she named Mac player of the of the, the West. I want to say early on in the season, like it was just it was almost one of those things where you know I've got the brief ready for you every Sunday night to just print out. But you know, Bustle was named again for her third time of the year for Mac player of the West. You know, Davis has earned it. You you might have the player and freshman of the conference on the team. Like I just they've got a lot of weapons. They've shown they know how to use them. You've seen, you know, Maddie Waters has pulled out a few different moves throughout the season that I think you didn't necessarily know if she had them as a spot-up shooter, and now she's, you know, getting points in the lane. I think it's just there's a lot to stop. There's not a lot of other teams that have all those weapons, let alone the ability to to play and stop all of those. Right, I agree. Um, and obviously this is a conversation for a different day, but it'll be it'll be it'll be – if they can win this weekend and take two games on Wednesday and Saturday and get ready for that closing that last week of the regular season, we'll see how it translates to the Mid American Conference Championship. But yeah, and beyond. Well, and, yeah, and beyond. Because, like you said, I mean, at, at this point, they'd have to lose pretty badly, I think, in the first round of the conference tournament to not get an at large bid. I mean, I've seen them as high as a, projected as high as a seven seed. In you know various bracketology things, which, right? And they were a nine seed last year. Yeah, and that was with the with the loss in the tournament. And right, you know, well, it was a close loss <laughs> to the eventual tournament champion with Buffalo. Yeah. So it was just one of those things that you know it's it's not it's not out of the out of the realm. I mean, you don't want to say that they have clinched almost you know in theory clinched a a spot in the big dance, but. You can you can you can start to kind of feel it that it it's I mean, it's I possible think, it it's, I think it's it, very likely yeah that I mean they'll play. they didn't clinch but I think you can almost feel it the way that a lot of different things go into this RPI they're one of the you know top RPI teams in the country you know they'll have an incredible conference record you know cl- selection committees often look at have you been here before and what have you done recently in the last year did you make it and what did you do they've done decently well they've won. 
they won went to the Sweet 16. They played a close game against State last year, you know, where they couldn't quite pull it off. But I think they've got the ability. We'll start to see. But yeah, the big thing will be these four games, and then they'll be they've they've punched a ticket to Cleveland, so they'll be there. You know, Wednesday, waiting for whoever whoever wins that first campus game. But they, I think they'll they'll be ready to go. And like I said, it's it's all that it's you got a lot of juniors on that team who know what to do, along with some you know incredible you know freshmen and different things like that. Absolutely. Last thing I want to touch on a little bit is Chippewa baseball is off to a pretty good start. Off to five and two through two series uh, on the weekend, and you know taking. Um, three games out of a four-game set from UNLV on opening weekend, and then um, taking two out of three from Jacksonville State as their game on Monday was rained out. Um, but and, and just kind of looking at it, I mean, the the baseball team is starting off, like I said, starting off well. I mean, pitcher Jordan Patty, he's he's gotten off to um, a big start on the mound. He's he's two and zero, hasn't given up an earned run yet. According to the to the stats here on cmechipwas.com, but fourteen two thirds innings pitched so far, no earned runs, um, ten strikeouts. He's he's been getting off to a good start, and and likewise so with the Chippewas. Yeah, I think the big thing is last year they went on that big twenty plus game win streak. You know, made some noise in the tournament. You know, there's that famous video of you know Chase Rollin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that one, and then the one that got picked up uh, was it David Cole? Oh, got yeah. Hit, David and Cole then, getting hit, and hit then by running, that pitch, running and... the first. Yeah. So they they made some national noise a little bit last year just for being fun, and I think the bringing in Jordan Bischel did a lot, and that was cool. Last year, no one expected it. The expectations are here now. Yeah. And so far, you can't complain if you're expect. You know, they're not going to win every game. Right. So well, I mean, to win, you know, what is it? Six out of your first eight. That's or six out of your first seven, something like five out of your first seven. Yeah, five like out, of, out of your first seven, and that's the that's good. One of the losses to UNLV was just by two runs, and they were well in that game. the The one loss to Jacksonville State was was eight nothing. So, but you're it, gonna have those games, right? It's it's baseball. It's, it it's early season. It's you know the first first handful of series. We'll see. How I they mean, progress and I mean, hell, we saw Texas A and M put up 27 runs in two innings on opening weekend. So it happens. Yeah. Big losses happen, and and. You know, looking at at the team so far, I mean, statistically speaking, they're they're playing well. It's not like it's not like you know, and obviously the record speaks to that too. So it's it's been a been a good start for the Chippewas so far. And CMU heads down to Tucson on Wednesday to take on Arizona, and it'll be kind of like a it kind of looks like a almost like an invitational kind of thing. Yeah, they where, got Rhode Island down there where they're technically the home team or you know, but right. it looks like it's all in Tucson. Right. Yeah, so they'll 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 play against Rhode Island twice and Arizona twice. Um and Chip and then the Chippewas open actually open Mid-American Conference play on St. Patrick's Day against Bowling Green. That's on of course that's on the 17th in Bowling Green. In Bowling Green. They don't actually have a home game until March 31st. When Cornerstone comes to town, if you remember, well, they have one against Davenport on the twenty fourth. I stand corrected. Their that, first, their first MAC, Mac game, game will be April third. Again against Bowling Green, that's a weekend series. Um, but that that game, if if you remember right, that game against Davenport, 
was actually the last the loss, loss before it, before CMU went on its I think twenty four twenty one. It was twenty six nineteen. Twenty six to nineteen. That was their last loss before losing to Mississippi State in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. I mean it would have been close to about that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was about it was about the same time. Um, yeah, probably it was a little bit, bit later. later. It's a little you know, bit down. More towards end of March, early April, but Right. Yeah. Nineteen nineteen straight. I think there's a game against Northwood where Jordan Jordan Bishop came came from last. Yep, April 29th here in Mount Pleasant. Timberwolves coming coming over to take take on the Chippewas. That'll be that'll be a fun game. Um that'll be a fun game for CMU to play in and then a big series at Notre Dame. I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see how that one plays out. If I remember correctly, uh yeah, Notre they, Dame was one of the one of the teams to fall to CMU. Um, yeah. During that that long winning streak for the Chippewas, and they round out the season at home against Eastern Michigan in the middle of May before the Mid American Conference tournament, Labor Day weekend. Should be a lot of fun to keep an eye on on the uh, on the Chippewa baseball program and how it how it's been doing and how it progresses. Other than that, Andy, do you, you got anything else, my man? No, I think um, Western. For women's basketball tomorrow, show up. I think they're cutting down nets. I've been told for for the championship, so that'll be an interesting thing. If you've never seen it and you want to, I think they'll probably do it regardless of win. But if they get a win, they'll definitely definitely climb up on the ladders and be celebrating that. And that yeah. might be the first of many. Yeah. Well, I, I think it'd be a little bit sweeter if they get a win over over Western Michigan. But other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening to Andy and I. As always, guys, make sure you check us out on Twitter at CM Life and at CM Life Sports. We'll post the show there. Make sure you always check out our our own personal Twitters. Uh, they're easy to find if you if you go to at CM Life Sports on Twitter. Make sure you check us out at Central Michigan Life on Facebook and as always at CM Life.com. Thank you guys again so much. We'll talk to you next week when we meet again. <laughs>